Hey everybody, it's Christina Caramo and welcome to It's Solid Food. Today we're going to be talking about poverty. It is a massive problem in America and what are we going to do? And we talk about it so much, everyone has their own ideas of what's causing poverty, how do we fix poverty. Some people really mean well, but they're so confused and don't know what to do. And some people I think have a little bit of an agenda behind not having an honest conversation about the problem. I'm Christina Caramo, and now it's time for some solid food. And welcome back to With Solid Food, where we discuss all things in Christian apologetics, culture, and politics. So scheduling alert, really quick announcement. So I'm going to change my show format just a little bit. So shorter episodes more frequently. So typically I did my shows Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7. However, because of a variety of reasons, I chose to bring the time earlier and make the shows actually go live at 4 o'clock and have them at 4 o'clock Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So more times you'll see Christina, but slightly shorter episodes. I think it'll be more beneficial because people are on the go and a lot of folks aren't listening to an hour show. Maybe they are. Maybe they want to hear an hour show. But I think more frequent, smaller shows is better. That's all. So moving right along, our topic today is going to be poverty. Poverty is a problem. Why? Because it means you can't take care of your basic needs. You can't get the things that you need in life. In America, we have to dissect poverty differently in American context than in the world. The reason why I say that, because in America, we have a lot of freedoms that don't exist in other countries. They have corrupt political leaders who steal the money, steal the resources, hoard it for themselves and friends. And in America, to some extent, you have it as well. But the thing is, these leaders in other countries cut access off so other people can't get a hold of these things as well. In America, there's no one cutting access. That's the big difference in America. So, and, and also they have like certain rules and regulations where they can't do certain things and they have to pay homage to the state. And also another thing that I learned about recently is that in certain countries, actually aid is an industry. You're like, aid is an industry? Yes, it's a form of money laundering. So people set up these foundations like they're helping people in poor countries and actually it's a front for money laundering operations. Just learned that today or go. But nevertheless, we're going to stick, make sure we keep our conversation to American poverty. Okay, so don't bring in other countries. Don't want to care about it. Not that I don't care, but that isn't pertinent to the conversation. So currently in America, 11.8% of the U.S. population is in poverty. Compared to the world, that isn't as bad, of course. So why? Why are people in America poor? Well, depending on who you, who you ask, you're going to get a different answer. Some people will say, well, it's disparages, it's injustice, it's discrimination that's causing poverty. And you'll talk to other people and they're like, it's because people are blowing up their lives. However, what do I, your humble host, Christina, believe? That's why you tune in to hear my opinion, because you know you want to hear it. <laughs> the reason I believe, I believe is because of bad choices, and I believe a combination of a society who's unwilling to deal with the reality of causing poverty in impoverished areas. I believe that in many poor communities, the power structure thrives off of people feeling miserable. Therefore, they don't want to confront the issues that are precipitating poverty. 
I do believe that many people are born into environments where they have a harder time getting ahead in life because they lack information. In America, we are a highly individualistic society, which means you have the freedom to fail or the freedom to succeed. There are so many stories of people who came from absolutely nothing, who had not a chance in the world, it appears, but however, they managed to become extremely successful individuals because they made very good decisions. Actually, I had a student um, last year. Actually, no, not last year. The year before. Yeah, last year. 2019. Getting everything mixed up. 2020 has screwed everything up, shall we say. But I had a student last year who she was telling me she grew up, you know, didn't have a lot. Um, her mother just kind of let her run the streets and do anything. And she just really didn't want the life her mother had. She like, I didn't want to be a poor mom raising kids alone. And she decided that, Hey, you know what? I'm going to be successful. Like, she's so funny that she skipped going to prom because she's like, I'd rather take that money and get myself an apartment, you know, or pay for college. Just, and she wasn't like putting on a front for her class. Like she was just talking to me but after class about some of the decisions she made because she was determined, like, I'm not going to be poor. I'm not going to suffer. She's like, she was going to school to be a nurse. She's like, I'm, I'm going to be successful. I'm determined to do that. So you have people, even if they're born in these positions, they're like, I know what not to do. So that's therefore what I'm not going to do in order to have a better life. And this is the answer to poverty in America is really empowering individuals to make better decisions. It's not lost upon me that there are people who are born into the world with the red carpet rolled out for them from the time they were conceived in their mother's womb. There are other people who like were born with fetal alcohol syndrome and had drug addict and alcoholic parents who were negligent and derelict and mothers with revolving doors, deadbeat dads. And I, I get that. And some people, it's not even that extreme. They're simply just a mom who just had a tough break her whole life and just wasn't able to provide a stable environment for her kids. That's true. It's not always like this crazy like lifetime movie situation. It's just like, I just can't catch a break. But oftentimes that is a result of people having children before they're prepared to care for them. And that's where it gets to why the, what precipitated this show topic. So there was this billboard here. And we're going to run the clip really quick so you can see what the controversy is about regarding this billboard. New tonight at 10 billboards targeting those living in poverty are taken down after some say the message was inappropriate. Fox 6's Brett Lemoyne live at 76th in Good Hope tonight with why the group behind those billboards is defending the controversial images. Brett? Yeah, Mary, there were at least four billboards in Milwaukee, all with the same message. They have since been replaced by this billboard, an inspirational one about courage. But those upset about the original message say there's no easy way out of poverty. Finish school, take any job, get married. That's the message the group Urban Cure has for Milwaukee residents living in poverty. These are these are big issues. They're systemic issues. When Amber Flanagan Kinlow saw them go up Tuesday, she quickly documented each location the billboard appeared. It felt like it was an attack and definitely not the way to solve the problem. Within 24 hours, the billboards came down. Clear Channel, the company that owns the advertising space, tells Fox 6 in part, quote, this ad did not receive proper approvals, lacked appropriate attribution, and was promptly removed. We value our neighbors for bringing this to our attention. At the present hour are in some distress and sometimes led to forget those truths under the constant pressure to adopt a narrative of victimization. William Allen is Urban Cure's COO. We spoke with him before the billboards were removed. Allen described his group as a think tank based out of Washington, D.C. and tied to an extensive clergy network throughout the country. It has always been the message parents have given, 
Of course, parents give it in the home and therefore privately. Allen says the nonprofit purchased the same two billboards in the Minneapolis and Philadelphia markets. He says the message is not political and not timed for the DNC. Flanagan Kinlow says she's glad the billboards came down quickly and hopes more attention is given to this complex issue. There's jobs that aren't, you know, paying living wages or saying things like you need to get married as if, you know, being married walks you out of poverty or that is, you know, a lifeline to wealth was completely incorrect. Now, Urban Cure could not tell us which local churches it's affiliated with, but Allen says the entire organization is funded completely by donations. Reporting live in Milwaukee, Brett Lemoyne, Fox 6 News. All right, Brett, thank you. So as you can see, this billboard says, tired of poverty, finish school, take any job, get married, save and invest, give back to your neighborhood. Now, as I shared before, that I teach dual enrollment class for a local community college, which means that I teach high school kids, college classes, and the high school kids, uh, if they stay in the program, from ninth grade to senior year, that they can graduate from high school with not just their diploma, but also an associate's degree. Now, I have some students who are very interested, ready to roll, ready to learn, or are just eating up what I'm telling them, and I have other students who do not care. They're like, I want to go hang out with my friends. So the nature of my class is a life skills class. So I work to bridge that information gap. So we talk about like mental health, emotional health, where mental and emotional health are kind of actually different things a little bit. Yeah, they are. Um, we talk about how to manage your money, how to pick your major, how to pick which education you want to pursue. We talk about dating and relationships. We talk about internet. We talk about physical fitness. I basically craft my class. It's like, this is what you need to do to be a successful adult. That is basically what my class is. And I absolutely love my class. And most of my students are absolutely wonderful. Though many of them concern me because I feel like they don't take it seriously enough. And I feel like um, many times, too, when we discuss poverty, there's always this breaking down of when we want to discuss what about race and poverty and blah, blah, blah. I personally do not feel that there is a organized effort to harm and keep black people miserable. I do believe, however, that there is a severe information gap within the black community because of years of systemic racism that informationally wise, there's a higher percentage of black people that are behind, which means you're going to have a higher percentage of black people in poverty and certain issues. Um, however, in 2020, America was actually precipitating poverty in a general sense because people who study poverty on a serious level, they noticed that the same factors that create poverty in the Hispanic community, the black community, the white community are the same. The factors that are precipitating poverty in these distressed communities, regardless of race, are absolutely the same. And one of the largest determining factors is broken families. And so if you listen to the video clip, the one woman mentioned getting married, like what does getting married have to do with it? It's, I mean, so if you get married, you're not going to be in poverty. Boo, how about if you're married before you have your children, the probability of you being in poverty grows down significantly. <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality that some people don't want to accept. People don't want to look at themselves. I mean, it's just common sense. If I have a house full of puppies and I have one puppy versus 10 puppies, I can better take care of one puppy than 10 puppies. So... Let's not talk about puppies and talk about people. So if I have one child, let's say if I have, I'm married and I have three kids, 
that is a very, that's a much more stable environment in a general sense. We're not talking about if you marry someone who's punching you in the face. Of course, you need to leave that person. There's grounds for divorce. I know some Christians act like you shouldn't get a divorce and blah, blah, blah. Talk about that before. Grounds for divorce, someone's beating you or someone's cheating on you. You have every right to leave them or they're causing some kind of extreme emotional abuse or you have someone who decides they're going to live a life of crime and they bring a criminal element to the home. Stuff like that. So if they're threatening your safety, of course, you have every right to leave. Okay, if they're cheating on you, that is a form of threatening your safety too. You have every right to leave. Um, so no, we're not just saying marriage just like stand by your man no matter what. But what we're saying that in the, in a general sense that it's actually far more beneficial to the welfare of the child and the man and woman if they are married and stable before having children. Because you can welcome the child into an environment where you're prepared to care for them. Children are expensive. They require you to make deposits, not just financially into their welfare. You have to nurture them mentally, spiritually, physically. You have to nurture that child on every level to help them turn into healthy, functioning adults. And many people that we see walking around all dysfunctional and nuts came from crazy homes. But if the home that they came from was more stable and solid, then the probability of them turning out to be a successful adult would grow exponentially. And that's the reality that we're dealing with, that too many people are so dysfunctional that they simply aren't prepared to function in life. That, that's it. And so what happens is, and that's why I talk about sex so much. You know, it's not that I'm some kind of weirdo and I just talk about it all the time. The reason why I talk about sex so much in pretty much every episode I bring up that topic because it's causing salt, it's causing most of the problems in America. Whether it's the broken families, the STD rates, the poverty problem is a result of largely broken families. If you get an education and you get married and then and you get education, get a stable job, Get married, then have your children. You will not be in poverty. You won't. Okay? I'm not saying that, like, there's not a one person. But I'm just saying the probability of you being poor is so super small. Super duper duper small. And that's something that people do not want to accept. That is something that people do not want to accept. And that is the reality that you just cannot get away from. And people want to drown it out. They don't want to talk about it because it's not sexy. What's sexy and what's exciting and what's fun is talking about how systemic racism, talking about misogyny and injustice and all these other things. That actually was way more sexy and way more beneficial that a lot of people rather hear than talking about how the individual is messing up and making poor choices. Because for the leftist worldview, bad things happen because of society, not the individual. And that is ridiculous because the individual is ultimately in control. And that's actually very disempowering. When you tell me that my life is the result of other people and that therefore I, there's like nothing I can do to benefit or improve my life, that makes me hopeless and helpless. And it's like, there, there's nothing I can do. There's no way I can fix it. There's no way I can improve it. So I'm basically at the mercy of other people to fix my life. That is very disempowering. What's more empowering? Saying, listen, you're in total control of your life. Now, that places a lot of responsibility on the individual, but that is so much more empowering. And that means that I'm in control of my future. and I don't have to depend on anybody else to be kind or nice to me to make my life better. So that is really, really important. Um, another thing that talks about in the, in the billboard, it says finish school. Now, here, here's the thing about school. Here's the thing about school. I have a lot to say about that. It's high, not just high school, but you need some kind of post-secondary training. And I word it like that. 
for the simple fact that in our society for a long time, we've poo-pooed on trades. You need your skilled trades people. You're an electrician. You're a master plumber. You're a welder. You're builders. You're carpenters. All these people who do skilled trades are very important. Like I think of my cousin. She is a hairdresser and she bought a house at like 23 from owning her own salon. I mean, so she didn't go to four-year college, but she still mastered a craft, mastered a skill, and she's a fantastic beautician. So you need some kind of post-secondary training. And I and I feel like in society, we've tried to pigeonhole everybody into you need to go to college and get a four-year degree or you're going to be poor. Well, excuse me, something within my mouth. I know that was kind of creepy for me to do, but <laughs> like happened all of a sudden, just talking. But I had a cup of adaptogen tea before I started the show. It was wonderful. Um, nevertheless, um, as I was saying that you need some kind of trade, you need some kind of skill that you have mastered that you can command more money. For example, just making sandwiches, like my 12-year-old can make sandwiches. That That's not a, a masterful skill, okay? Anyone can make sandwiches. However, any, anyone can't cut hair. Anyone can't um, re, uh, fix a rusted pipes. You need to know what you're doing. Anyone can't rewire a house. Anyone can't fix a car. So these are things that are going to command more money. And so a lot of students, and, and that's one thing too, why pushing trades is so important because many students are so behind shall we say in certain academic disciplines that telling them to go to college for another four years is like you're setting them up for failure and that's the thing we don't want to make it seem like oh some people aren't smart enough for college so they should go get a trade I think that's a horrible way of putting it because there's different types of intelligence you know what I'm saying intelligence manifests differently you have to be intelligent to solve problems and the skills trades are more problem solving if that makes sense. It's a different type of problem solving. So if you are an effective problem solver, but you don't feel like reading Plato's Republic, yeah, a school, a skilled trade is great for you. That doesn't mean you're not smart. That doesn't mean because you don't want to sit and ponder what's true. That means that you're an idiot. No, you just don't have an interest in doing it because you're better suited doing something else. We need both types of intellectuals in society. There's more than one way to be an intellectual. You don't need to be the next Milton Friedman or whomever to be a smart person and to be successful. There's so many ways that you can be successful. You know what I mean? So another problem too is that a lot of kids in high school, they're not taught on how to pick a career. So it's just like, go to college, go to college, go to college. Okay, well, what am I going to college for? You know how many people went to college and they still have jobs making like $14 an hour? What is that? Who, who can survive off of that? Like, even in Michigan, where I live, your average house is going to cost at least $100,000. No one can buy a house on that. No one can start a life on that. Okay, however, so that means that that person needs to not just go to college to earn a degree, but they also need to be preparing themselves for a career. So how do you know what degree to get? And so I feel like the schools are failing kids at this point because I'm going to not say that and dash other teachers who teach what I teach. Well, I'm going to say that. I've like observed another teacher teaching the same course I taught and it was like, no, it was just not good advice. And so I've been taught, told by the other teachers who taught, who, who rooms I went to to teach this class to the students. They're like, wow, you're really good. Like the other teachers don't teach it like that. I'm like, what are they doing? I don't need to tell my kids about how to get grants and how to get um, scholarships. There's somebody that already does that. Or sit and talk about myself. Like they don't want to hear about me unless I'm about to say something crazy and stupid that I've done and you shouldn't do it. But other than that, I, I give my kids skills like, hey, this is how you handle 
finding the right job for yourself. Like I actually have a project where I have my students do a personal inventory. Whereas I have this exercise where I have them list everything that they like or love. Just any and everything that you like, love. Don't be critical of the list. And I don't even read the list. That way they don't like second guess what they write down. After they finish that, I said, now I want you to go through that list and see what you can make profitable. And so then they go through the list and see what they can make a career out of. And I tell my students, the first thing you need to do is decide what type of career you want to pursue. What do you, what would you like to do? What do you feel confident in doing? Like, you know, I like this and I'll be very good at it. Then after you decide the type of career that you want to pursue, the next step is decide, okay, now what type of training do I need to pursue that career? Then once you've determined the type of training you need for that type of career, now you need to find which educational institution offer that training that you need for your career choice. Then after that, that's how you enter, decide what type of post-secondary training that you need. Kids are being taught that. I wasn't taught that. I was taught just go to college. Okay, go to college and do what? Do what exactly? That's one of the problems. We got all these people in student loan debt and, and can't keep up their student loans. Because they're, they're not getting jobs in, in the field. Now, that's not for everybody. There's plenty of people doing very well. Remember, only 11% of Americans are in poverty, but there's tons of people who aren't necessarily in poverty, but they're struggling to get by because the cost of living in America is very high. So the cost of living is very high. One needs to earn an adequate income. But that doesn't mean the system is broken per se. That means that people aren't being properly trained how to thrive in the system that exists in America, which is actually the best system for a human to thrive. That's ultimately the problem. That's the problem. So if we strengthen our families and if we strengthen our education systems, and I mean by not this bullcrap we see now, which is like drilling Marxism in the head, because that's happening. You know, I told you guys before I'm on the sex education board for DPS. And one of the women, she was like talking about what she did over summer. She's like, I'm really excited. I learned some new critical theory things. Oh, I felt like being like, shut up. I felt like saying that, like, people just shut up. That's not Christ-like. It would have been appropriate. She wasn't being rude to me. So it was not a cool thing to do. But I literally was like, what are you talking about? Like, what? No, I want you to help these babies come out and not be babies anymore and not hear about the injustices of America and still be equipped to be successful and make money. How you improve impoverished and distressed communities is by more people in a community earning more money. It's like people don't understand basic economics. Sitting there screaming about the system and vandalizing is not going to fix any poverty problems. The real problem in America is that racism is poverty. Even though, again, 11% of people are in poverty, but that doesn't include all the people who are necessarily meet the poverty threshold, but still can't meet, can't, um, meet their basic need on this consistent basis without stress. That, that's a massive problem. So if we is, if fix the families and people are more responsible with their family behavior as far as they're keeping your private to yourself unless you're married, can we do that, people? It's not that hard. Then if you finish school and, and, and get a job, and then too, at that time until you get your dream job, take any job, okay? I never thought I would be a teacher. I've been working in higher education for six years and never thought I would be here. Never, ever, ever. My whole thing was media. Since I was like 12 years old, I wanted to be in the media. And I had to, I'm launching my own independent endeavor, but I was, I couldn't get a job in media. I mean, am I going to just sit there and not do nothing until I get the job that I want? That's ridiculous. You have to take what you can until you get what you want. That's life. 
And then learning how to save and invest your money. And that's a lot of problems with people in poverty is because they want some semblance of happiness. A lot of times people waste their money. A lot of people in America are living above their means. They're living above their means. And instead of working harder to get more money to fund the lifestyle that you want, they're more disgruntled that they don't have it and they feel it's not fair. Like they say, everyone deserves a livable, a livable wage. No, you don't. You don't deserve anything. You earn it. The only thing you deserve is the peace to exist. It's the only thing you deserve in this life is the peace to exist. I mean, I don't have like what's called negative rights. That's the job of the government to protect, like to, to ensure that people aren't taking things away from you. So as long as people aren't taking things away from you or putting harm in your way, that's all we owe each other. But as long as people aren't harming you or taking things away from you or putting roadblocks in your way, like actively putting things there to stop you, then everything else is really up to you. And that's empowering. And, and I'm sure there's tons of stories, but what about kids who grow up like this? We teach them the information. That's why I said the problem is an information gap. So we give them the information that they need so they will excel and thrive in life. That is what I do with my job. I, I cannot wait to go back and see my students. I absolutely love it. I thrive on it. I never thought I would love teaching, but I absolutely love my students. I look forward to it, giving them the information. And, and a lot of my students, they're like, yeah, Miss K, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, you got to do this and do that. That's all it is. A lot, of, a lot of kids who grow up in poverty because they're in poverty, their parents are in poverty for a reason. Because a lot of times the parents had the necessary information that they needed so they wouldn't be, so if the parents had the necessary information, they wouldn't be in poverty in the first place because they got the information. So now they know what to do. But if the parents lack the information, who's going to give it to the child? That's the result of the educational system. But now in America, our educational system is more interested in training up the next generation of Marxists than in empowering these kids with information to be successful. That's what's going on. That's what's happening. They're too busy trying to teach kids about gender identity and queer theory instead of teaching these kids how to invest and save their money. That, that should be what schools do. This, 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 this is crazy to me. Like, I, and, I, and I went to my boss at work. I'm like, the class I teach, let, can I please uh, uh, multiply this and, and put it in, in every, if every school in DPS has this, I think it would be phenomenal. Kids just learn that, how to have emotional health, how to have how to handle your mental health, being physically healthy, the importance of eating healthy, dating your relationships, how to manage your money, how to pick a career, you know, making the best of life, how to manage your time, you know, a good study habits, just some basic skills. Because when you're dealing with distressed communities, the parents don't have the information to give to the kids because if the parents had the information, they wouldn't be in a predicament they're in themselves. So you got to close the poverty gap by closing the information gap. That's a massive problem. And the reality is, too, some people just don't want to do right. Some people don't want to do right. Some people want to drink and do drugs and clown. They do. They don't want to act right. Some people don't want to grow. I was talking to a friend of mine, and you can't even say this like a conservative stuff, because my friend is not a conservative who I was talking to. She was like, in 2020, there's no excuses for people to not be successful, it's too much opportunity out here. In addition to the fact there's so many charity groups, like I literally went to court because I had a ticket, wasn't nothing, nothing, no type of, I'm not a, I'm not a criminal, just I violated a traffic law. However, I guess, this is an infraction. Civil infraction? I think this is called. 
I don't know. Moving on. However, so I um I was uh at the courthouse and this lady was like, Do you know any pregnant women? I well, no. And she was like, a police, like, we're having a driver, we're providing this service, that service, we're doing this, this, and this, we're just trying to help women, you know, get on their feet, you know? Or it's an organization I sit on the board for, for Stanton, the Detroit affiliate, in the Detroit affiliate, we're in the process of now opening a pregnancy center to help women um, who are pregnant, have unplanned pregnancy, get access to resources to help them get and be successful with them and their baby. I mean, there's so many groups out here I can think of. People working for this nonprofit and that nonprofit and this organization and that organization whose job it is to help people. But people got to want to help themselves. So I do feel in society we do have a responsibility to a certain extent. To a certain extent. We do have a responsibility to people who are suffering. You know, you think of even in scripture, and I believe it was in Deuteronomy, where, you know, when Moses told the people that, like, when you, uh, when it's harvest season, don't, like, when, if something, whatever falls to the ground, leave it for the poor, the outsides of the field, leave to the poor. So God had a system in place. You think of, even in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about caring for the widows, caring for orphans and things of that nature. So we do have a responsibility to help people, but like the African proverb, you feed a man a fish, he eats for a day. You teach him how to fish, he eats for a lifetime. So you want people to be self-sufficient. That's the ultimate goal. But I do think on the path to self-sufficiency, we should assist people to a certain extent. However, you have people who get comfortable in other people helping them where they develop an entitlement mentality and act as though people owe them something. No one owes you anything. It is your job to be self-sufficient. Now, a lot of people try to turn to, I believe it's Acts chapter 2. You know, I'm going to grab my Bible. I'm going to grab my Bible. There we go. There we go. I'm going to grab my Bible and read it to you. And a lot of people try to use this as a case for socialism. And it's like really stupid and it's not accurate. Now, um, I believe it's Acts, maybe it's Acts 4. I am so determined. Uh, uh, okay, it's actually, it is Acts chapter 2. Oh my God, I'm getting better at memorizing certain things in scripture. You know, you always hear those people who like, and they like rattle off scripture after scripture. I'm like, I can't do that yet. <laughs> so anyway, Acts chapter 2, 42, it is said, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were all selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds. Um, excuse me, they were all selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as had needed. Now, here's the thing. And a lot of people try to use that as a case for socialism. Like, see, they were distributing things. Okay, Paul, sweetie, slow your roll. That is not the same as the federal government taking my money, keeping some for themselves and their friends, then doling out peanuts to the poor. No boo. First of all, in Acts chapter 2, that was the Holy Spirit prompting the early church to, to do that. That wasn't the federal government. That wasn't the Roman government doing that. That wasn't you taking money that I have earned, 
to give it to other people after you've taken a bunch for yourself and put it in some crummy program that doesn't even help the person. That's not what's going on because we know a lot of nonprofits are scammed. Now, not all, but there are a lot out there where they just take federal dollars and don't do anything to help the people. That stuff happens all the time. So this is not what you guys are talking about. You're not talking about a redistribution of wealth. You're not talking about Marxism where the federal government forces me to do anything. See, in the Bible, God doesn't force people to do anything. That's number one. He prompts our hearts to do something, and it's up to us to listen to his call and be obedient. That's not the same thing as the federal government forcing me to do something. Just saying. Just saying. So that's a horrible case people try to turn to the Acts chapter 2, and it's basically people who don't know anything about the Bible. Now, speaking of such, to also put a nail in the coffin of socialism, shall we say, is that in 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12, now Paul is talking about idleness. Now, so he's telling people that you are to work for a living. You're not to depend on other people to take care of you. Now, again, and, and you have to think, too, of the different time they lived in, because one of the big reasons why they talked about widows and orphans and looking out for them because for women there weren't a lot of economic opportunities for women other than prostitution so they wanted to make sure i'm not saying that wasn't the only one because there was a woman like named lydia in scripture that she was a very wealthy woman that they talked about so there were people of women of means who did well you know but i'm just saying for many women that they were limited in opportunity so um nevertheless nevertheless it says in second Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. Now, what is the problem with idleness? Lots of people are just sitting there doing nothing and waiting for someone else. You cannot do that. You are to be proactive. And two, if you notice in a lot of poor neighborhoods, you know a lot of people just hanging on the corner. And people are like, well, you don't know if they don't work. Why, when I go to other neighborhoods, I don't know that people just hang on the corner. Seriously, when you go to poor neighborhoods, I don't care if it's rural or, rural or urban, you will see a lot of people just hanging out outside, just, just hanging around. Excuse me. And it says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves... Know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. And that's the reality of it. If you are not willing to work, you shall not eat. And I know of individuals who do not work. They literally just live off the government. They do. They do. And that's ridiculous. That's not all poor people. And that's the thing. When you're talking about poverty, you can't just lump every situation together. You got people who I had a student once who had a baby at like 15. I had, I've had students several times who are parents. And I walked, I told my students who are parents, I said, listen, your life is not over. You still can have a very good life. But the first thing I say after that is don't have any more kids. Okay. First thing, don't have any more kids. Get stable, get married, do not have, get, get, get your education, 
get yourself a good job, get stable, where you comfortably take care of yourself and your child, then a good idea if you want to have grow your family is to get married and have more kids. I tell my students that, okay? So you got people, and a lot of my students, like I had one of my students, it was so sad. I felt bad for them. I wonder where they are now. This is like my first year teaching. They were actually a couple, and they were they were parents. And so the girl, her mother, I'm not her father, her mother kicked her out. And so she went to go live with her boyfriend, who was her with the child's father. And they lived together, and they were just trying to build a life for themselves. And they were seniors in high school. You know, that's one of the reasons why I talk about sex so much. Again, it's just, it causes so much strife. It causes so much grief in people's lives when they don't discipline themselves sexually but nevertheless so you got people like that you got some people i've encountered who parents are just a hot mess they didn't equip them with anything and then sorry for the doorbell ring guys come on a live show at home and then you also have people who you also have people who parents who, who are just ignorant who are just literally ignorant and do not want to do anything better who don't want to do anything different you have those type of people as well so you have those different types of people you have all kinds of people. And like I said, you have people who are just ignorant. You have some people, and I say ignorant, like they're not even trying to do better. They're not even trying to improve their lives. They're just being ridiculous. Um, you also have people who don't know what to do. You have all types of people. So when we try to just create this big ball in the human experience that has so much nuance and so much detail and so many different layers and try to create this one magic bullet answer as to why poverty is a problem that's ridiculous on its face because there's so many different reasons depending on the person and again you have people who simply don't know what to do but when you have these political institutions these political parties who actually benefit especially the democrats um not especially them they love to put themselves out there as champions of fighting against poverty and injustice but when it comes to want to have real conversations about how to solve the problem if you mention any responsibility of the individual they start oh, no no you can't do that you can't do that because if we start talking about the responsibility that the individual has then that disempowers them because remember their whole claim to fame their whole reason why they maintain political power in these distressed communities is by putting themselves out there as being the champions for the poor man when really all they're doing is trying to institute marxism which has enslaved and killed millions so it doesn't work it doesn't help in reality what we need to do is simply provide people the information on how to succeed in america that's all and if you didn't come from a family where those type of principles were being taught to you then, of course, you're not going to know to do them. Therefore, you're going to to extend or the, the poverty problem is going to go beyond and further in your own family. And that's something that people don't want to talk about. That's something that people don't want to deal with because it's not sexy. It's not fun. It's not comfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's embarrassing. And so they don't want to say anything about it because it's more fun to blame other people. And then, too, when you blame other people, you can make them the bad guy, make yourself the good guy, like you're the one that's actually fighting against it to help them. And that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening at all. And so we have to look at that. And then even really quickly, the statistics of the of the family, as I talked about earlier, I mean, that's a whole nother episode I could just do about the broken family, how it's hurting society. Because kids who, I mean, it, it's just it's common sense. If you got one income versus two incomes, duh. Or if you have one person who can devote all their attention to caring for the welfare of the child, even if you have one person working, and then you have the other person who can devote their time and attention to the welfare of the child. Then the child is going to be more nurtured because the other person can cook healthy meals, do homework, invest in them mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and all other types of ways that they don't have time for if you're working and trying to do all that too. 
So those types of things are very critical for the welfare of the child. You know, when you just want to think about crime statistics, I mean, I wrote a paper once for a class, for not a class, but for this assignment um, regarding uh, poverty and, and, and single parent households. I mean, for example, almost 70%, and this and these are a high number, because um, let me say, uh, 70% of all young people, and this is just in the state of California, 70% of all young people in state reform institutions are raised in fatherless homes. Almost 70% of all adolescent murderers come from fatherless homes, and 70% of all long-term prison inmates come from fatherless homes. Another statistic that I, I read before dealing with fatherlessness is that 50% of separate studies of juvenile crime revealed that a prevalence of delinquency in broken homes is 10 to 15% higher than in intact homes. And also that adolescents convicted of homicide in adult court found that 42.9% were from parents that had never been married, 29.5% were divorced, and 8.9% were separated. And then two boys who were born in fatherless homes are three times more likely to go to jail than their peers. So to pretend that these things are, and, and that all crime and poverty go, are deeply interrelated. So these are all things that need to be discussed. But when the people put up that billboard to, for folks to be upset when they simply were telling the truth of how to aid poverty and fix it, it just reveals that there's two things going on. The three things, really. There are some who mean well but are sincerely skewed in their worldview and call it victim blaming, which is stupid. Even victims bear some responsibility. Like, you can have a woman who's a rape victim. Even though no one has a right to rape me, but walking down the street at night drunk isn't a good idea because it puts me in a position where I'm more likely to be a victim. Yeah, the person was wrong for doing me wrong and assaulting me, but that doesn't mean that I didn't play a hand in my own situation by making poor choices. So it, it's just so many different things that are going on. So and people don't want to deal with these realities that these there are issues that there's a hand person playing it. You know, so even if you don't want a person in poverty, if they're born into a distressed community or dysfunctional family, that doesn't mean that, that person doesn't have a certain level of responsibility to improve in their own situation because life isn't fair. If we're going to wait for the playing field to be even before individuals can take responsibility in their condition, then people never will because life will never be fair. You will have people who always will have more, people who have less. You will have people who were born into environments where they have more and some who have less. Again, we're talking in the context of the United States of America, not in other countries where there are so many more layers involved. So we need to really be diligent. We need to be thoughtful in how we approach the poverty problem to make sure that we actually are helping people. And we're not allowing people who want to profit from poverty. And that's another thing. You have people who profit off of being basically poverty pushers. There is another thing that you have people who literally maintain power off of convincing people that they are, um, that there's nothing they can do. And therefore, they need that person to somehow live a better life. And lastly, I think there's a lot of people who don't like to face reality. As I've said before on the show, I am a single parent and I don't mind being frank about how it is a very negative thing. A lot of people do not like to look at themselves. I was talking to a woman about abortion. Um, this was Sunday. And she was saying a lot of people do not like to deal with the realities of abortion simply because they, because simply because they've had one themselves and they are unable to face the reality of what they did. So instead, they just downplay the seriousness of abortion altogether. 
And that and that's a massive problem. You can't downplay something because you are guilty of it or it's impacted your life. And, and a lot of people don't like looking at themselves. People love looking at everybody else, but people don't like looking at themselves. It's just how it's just how people are. So thank you for tuning in today. Like I said, we're gonna do shorter episodes. We're changing it up a little bit. That way I can do more frequent episodes. Cause I'm not gonna lie to you guys, like doing a show twice a week, I'm just I'm like, oh, I got so much more to say and I gotta wait. Uh, you know, so I just say, you know, why not do them shorter and more frequent? So I will see you tomorrow on Thursday. So thank you for tuning in to It's Solid Food. Make sure you join me again for the next episode. It's Solid Food is on all major podcast platforms. Also be sure to check out my website at www.christinacaramo.com on Facebook and YouTube at the Christina Caramo Project. On Instagram at Caramo the Great. That's G-R and the number eight. And remember to be brave and bold because the gospel of Jesus Christ must be told. Toodles!